0: Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That was spoken by Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35. And this is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. I'm Matt Colby. And I'm Tim Young. And our subject today is words, or more specifically, concordances. Now, you may have noticed already, especially in the first podcast in this series, that we began talking about the meaning of Greek words, and sometimes you'll hear us perhaps talk about the meaning of Hebrew words. So you remember that the the Old Testament of the Bible is written in Hebrew, and the New Testament is written in Greek. We learned that in the second podcast. That's right. We learned that in the second podcast. Now, Tim and I do not speak ancient Hebrew or ancient Greek, so you might be wondering how we knew what those words meant or how we knew anything about it, and that's what we're going to start to tell you about in this podcast. We're going to lay out one of the tools that you would use to delve into the languages that the Bible is written in. So you're gonna tell them our secrets.
1: We're gonna I mean, We're not to Greek scholars and we're gonna we're gonna show them the, the mystery
0: here. That's right. So you can do the exact same thing and start to look at, at where words are found and maybe even what they mean. So concordances, what is a concordance? We're talking about a Bible concordance, which is an alphabetical list of all of the words that are used in the Bible. A lot of words using that's Bible. a lot of words. Now, important to note that it's an alphabetical list in English. So right. you remember last in the last podcast we talked about translations of the Bible. We were talking about English translations of the Bible. They were translated from the original Hebrew and the original Greek, but they're translated into English. And so we know that the various different English translations of the Bible read a little bit differently. So it's important to keep that in mind that. When we talk about a concordance, usually we're talking about a concordance tied to a specific version of the Bible, and Tim will tell you a little bit about that in a few minutes. But the word is in English primarily, and it's alphabetically listed in English. You can look up any word used in the Bible in a concordance and find out exactly where it is used. So if you have a word in mind, you can turn up alphabetically, find that word in a concordance, and then just find a list of all of the times that it's used in the Bible. And that list will be in chronological order, in, in the same order that the Bible is written in, from beginning at Genesis and ending at Revelation. So in the same order, that's the order that the list you will find in the concordance is written. And you'll find Bible passages against a little snippet of the context of where that word is used, and then you can turn up that passage and find the word itself. And most concordances, if they're good concordances, will link every English word to Greek and Hebrew dictionaries that are found probably in the second half or a little bit later on in the concordance. So you can flip over to the dictionary, see perhaps the various meanings of that word in the Hebrew and in the Greek. And some Bibles, uh, study Bibles and, and sometimes just regular Bibles, right. you'll find a concordance at the back of the Bible. And that can be really useful because it's right there at your fingertips. What I'll say though about that is that usually those concordances that you find at the back of a Bible, they're not exhaustive. So they don't contain all of the words in the Bible, they usually just contain some of the more prominent and important ones. So if you really want a good concordance that's gonna list all the uses of every single word, you're gonna wanna get your, your own separate hard copy concordance that's separate from your Bible to use as a reference. So when do you want to use a concordance? Well, if you're trying to find a Bible verse, let's say you, you remember somewhere that, you know, roughly this was said in a Bible passage, but you can't remember where it was, maybe you're not even sure who said it, but you know roughly what the quote was. You can pick a word in that sentence that you remember, look up that word in the concordance and see all the times it's used, and hopefully find the verse that you were looking for. Another thing you can use a concordance to do is to find a word in English and see all of the places that word was used, that English word was used across the Bible. So... You might be interested in finding out everywhere that the word righteous is used in the Bible. Now, that's a that's a big one. If you decide to do yeah. that, uh, you'll find a lot of hits on the word righteous in the Bible, but you could certainly do that. Or you could narrow it down to words that aren't used as much and see everywhere else that that word is found besides the place where you're reading in the Bible right now. Now, there are a number of concordances out there that you could choose from. Tim, how do I know which one to use?
1: Well really would depend on your translation, but probably the most uh, prominent, well, it, what is the most prominent concordance is what's called the Strong's Concordance. And it's called Strong's Concordance because they, the name, the guy's name was Strong, James Strong, right? Yeah. And uh, he did this amazing work. It was back in 1890 when he published his concordance. Now, this is before computers right. or anything like this. And so, he went through the whole Bible – and listed everywhere a certain word was used. It's a remarkable work. And what he did that made his uh, concordance so special was that every time a word was used, he would assign a number to that word. So that was a unique number for that particular word. So you can use that as a, a reference then, kind of a key reference. So the special thing about that is you don't need to know Greek you don't need to know Hebrew. You can just go off these words. So if you see this word is 2490, and then you might see it used or translated in a different way in another passage, but you see that same number, 2490, you know that that's the same word. And what happens in translations is there's nuances in the words, and they, they might be translated different, just like we we have in English. And so this the Strong's Concordance is really the, the, the major Tool that you want to get. So if you if you're thinking, man, I have to get me one of those. Uh, you can usually get one at the at a Bible book store or online. But just a little caution. You were talking about how some of them in the back of our Bibles are concise. Mm-hmm. You can buy ones just separately that are concise too. So if you want nice. the the real the the full version of the Strong's Concordance, you got to make sure it says the word exhaustive on it.
0: Yeah. Oh, you mean I just thought he was so tired after having gone through every single word in the Bible. strong,
1: exhaustive concordance, yeah. Okay. It's kind of funny, but that means like it has every single word in the Bible. Okay. Whereas if it's a concise one, it's smaller, but then you're missing out on some words, and they might be just little words and stuff, but uh, you might as well, if you're going to spend the money to get one of these, get the um, exhaustive ones. And the Strongs, though is is keyed with the King James Bible. I mean, he re- this was done over a hundred years ago. And during the time that was the translation that that everybody used, right. And uh, so but it's, it's one of its you know strengths of the King James is that it has these number coded Strong's concordance with it, where you can use other tools. Another tool is an Englishman's concordance. Whereas this one's a little bit different, we you said that the, the concordance usually lists them by English words, right? Yeah, the Englishman's turns that around, lists it by either the Greek word or the Hebrew word, right. and I get a little snippet, and it will tell you how that Greek word is translated in the passage where you're at. So I I don't know if that makes sense. I could put a little example of that in the in the show notes, and I I find that very valuable. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how it's translated, you know it's the right word and you have that list right there. So my Englishman's concordances, there's one for the New Testament because it's Greek, and there's one for the Old Testament because it's Hebrew, right. are thoroughly marked up and highlighted. And I have these little tabs all over because they're very helpful for word studies. Yeah, You want to know about a certain certain word like love or something, you can see all the places where it's translated. And in the Englishman's you can see how it's translated regardless, right? Right. Another thing that Strong's does, which is also interesting, is he'll have uh, connecting words. So where you might be looking at a verb, right. he might tell you, well, here's the noun or here's the adjective of it as well. And he, he keys them with the, the numbers. So again, you don't know have, have to know Greek or Hebrew. You can follow and, and get a little bit broader study on with the root words. That are there. Now, a little caveat with that: we're not Greek and Hebrew scholars. You know, you can go too far with those kind of things. We have to realize our limitations. But it, I can tell you, in my studies, it can it can open up other verses that you you hadn't uh, even considered because you know it might say he ran in one verse and then running is a different word, right? Right. But you don't want to miss that because ran and running are kind of very similar concepts, you know. Yes. And, And uh, those strong numbers can help you uh, do that, right? Yeah. But they do have NIV uh, concordances. They have ESV concordances. I haven't seen any in print that actually have like a numbering system behind them. So they'd be just helpful for finding different words. But I know on computers, they do have them all. Kind of keyed in with this Strong's reference numbering system. That's right. So it's the the Bible software these days makes it extremely useful. So a lot of people don't even use the books anymore. You can get these for free online. Um, a Bible program I use is called eSword. Yeah, it's a great it's, one. Yeah, it's uh, free. Of course, they take donations and yeah, and it's a great work. So. And that provides you know fr- uh, free Bibles and the Strong's Concordance for free, and it's all linked. So if you go to a verse and you click on it, it automatically brings up the Strong's number and a Strong's definition for that word. And you can search on either the English word or on the Strong's number. And when you s- search on a Strong's number, it's like the Englishman's Concordance.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's focusing now on the original language instead of the English. <clears throat> right.
1: Yeah. Right. So all these tools make it very helpful for us to you know, be fast at it. Fast is not the point, right? But right. it makes it very efficient, I guess I should say, because we want our Bible study to be slow and methodical and thought out. Sure. But all these tools really um, bring us a lot of information right at our fingertips. I, I don't know if that explains it. Maybe... Yeah. Maybe
0: if we had like a case study or something, it help us out here a little bit. It just so happens I have one of those. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and and yeah, I think whether you use Bible software or not, and and certainly we would, um, I think, recommend that you do that. We'd say that's, that's uh, certainly a very powerful tool to use. Either way, understanding how a concordance works will better inform you if you're using Bible software, because Bible software is basically just uh, automating the page turning exercise that you would do if you were to just get out a physical copy of a concordance and, and look through it. So understanding how it's tied together is still important. So like Tim said, the Strong's numbers have kind of... Made their, made their way into a lot of different kinds of publications and software, and they're very useful, just linking every Greek and Hebrew word to a number, which makes it helpful for us to look it up. So let's give an example. Let's say that you remember that somewhere it says in the Bible that Moses was the meekest man on earth, or something like that, or maybe he was more meek than anyone else alive, but you can't remember where. So you think about what you remember, you know it says something, you don't know exactly how it says it, and you want to figure out a way to find that verse in the shortest route possible. What you're going to want to do is is think of what you know that's in the verse you're looking for and pick the word that's probably the most unique. You're not going to find it too many other places in the Bible because that's going to give you the shortest list possible. So in that verse that you're looking for, probably the word meek, is going to be the word you want to look for. You could choose Moses, but Moses is written about in a lot of different places in the Bible, and you want to be more specific. You want to know where it says he was more meek than anyone else. So you'd open up your concordance and you'd look for the word meek. So you'd flip alphabetically to the M's, find the word meek, and what you'll find underneath the word meek is just a list of all of the verses where that word is found. And beside every Bible passage that's listed, there'll be a a little brief snippet of the words that are found before and after that word in the verse. So you'll find very quickly, because in this case, you're looking for where it says Moses was more meek than anyone. It's Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, and it's the very first one, the very first use of the word meek in the Bible at least in the King James Version of the Bible, because Strong's is tied to the King James Version of the Bible. So you'll find that there's actually 16 different verses in the Bible where the word meek is used, but right there you can see it says that the man Moses was very meek above all, and it'll say dot, 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 but you've got it. That's the snippet you wanted. That's the verse that you want. And there's a shorthand that's used in concordances where the word that you're looking for it doesn't spell that word out. It just it just uses the first letter of the word to denote it. So in the case of meek, you just say you'd see it says dot dot dot. Man, Moses was very M with a dot beside it, and that M represents the word meek because that's the subject uh, that that you're looking at when you're looking at a list of all the uses of the word meek. And so you can see that's your word. You can turn right there, find it in the Bible. That's where it says Moses was very meek above everyone that lived above all men on earth. And beside that, on the on the right-hand side, so you'll see the verse reference, you'll see the, the context, a the little snippet of the passage in the middle, and then the right-hand side, you'll see the Strong's number. In this case, it's Strong's number 6035. Now, so if you were using Strong's concordance, you would list to you would you would flip to the second half of the concordance, and that's where the dictionaries are found in Strong's. But you need to remember that the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. We often call it the Hebrew Scriptures, and the New Testament was written in Greek. And so, when you flip to the other side of Strong's concordance, you'll find the first half of their of their dictionary is a Hebrew dictionary, and the second half is the Greek. We're in the Old Testament, so we want to go to the Hebrew, and then you're going to just try to look up. 6035 and you'll find a definition of the word there. We're going to circle back to this, but for now there's an example of how you might n- want to find something specific in the Bible and you could use a concordance pretty quickly to find it. Now that's in English, and so I was looking for the word meek as it's as it's found in the English language in an English translation of the Bible. Why would I care to flip to a dictionary to find out what the word looks like in Hebrew or or you know what a definition might mean. I know it means meek, right? It's it's right there in the passage in front of me. Why do I care about reading in any other language beside, besides besides <laughs> English, Tim? It's kind of funny cuz we were just talking about how in the other podcast we were talking about
1: versions and how they were taking the old Hebrew, the old the the old Greek and translating in the English and right. there were we're going in reverse. We're telling you now you can go in reverse and, and uh, it's so take great. the English <laughs> and try to go back to the original language. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is important because, you know, Hebrew, the, the, the ancient Hebrew and the ancient Greek are not, they're not in common use anymore. Right. Uh, languages evolve and they change. And, and uh, in this sense, Words, like in the English language, have different meanings behind them. So to go back and go back to a word and to get a fuller sense of what that word is all about is very helpful. That's one of the reasons the translations are kind of different because a translator might favor one idea, one word, above another. Mm -hmm. And if we want to understand that uh, even better, we can go back and use these Strong's concordances and use the the dictionary or the lexicon in, in the back because no translation is is perfect, and we're gonna we're gonna see in our studies that we'll refer to different translations and really kind of get fuller ideas about what this word means because there's no. Often there's no one-for-one translation from one language to another. Yeah. There's always something lost in translation between two different languages. There's always something lost in translation. Yeah. And so, because words are, you know, they cover areas of meanings and those kind of things. So, this really is just a a tool to kind of fill it out and help us to understand uh, the words uh, a lot better as they were originally, you know, understood and and meant.
0: Yeah. So... Having said all that, I want to now just warn you, or or perhaps advise you, maybe that's a better word, of the limits of how you should be using a concordance accurately, because there are other Bible tools out there, which will probably be the subject of, of future podcasts. And one of them is a lexicon. Uh, I'll explain what that is in a minute, but... There are limitations to using a concordance. So once you get to the, that point at the end of our example where you you found the word meek, you know it's Strong's number 6035, and you flip back to the, the Hebrew dictionary and the other half of Strong's concordance, you'll find there the, the word written in Hebrew, the word that's been translated meek. And what you'll also find there is uh, kind of like a dictionary definition, but what we actually call it is a gloss So a gloss is an example of all of the various different things that a word could mean depending on the context in which it's used. So this is true of of every language that I'm aware of. So let me give you an example in English. Because in English, we have a lot of words that could mean more than one thing. They're spelled exactly the same way, but they could mean various different things. And it all depends on how the word is used in a sentence. So a good example of that in the English is the word bow, B-O-W. If you were to look that word up in a dictionary, you would find it's got a lot of different potential meanings. So the word bow could be uh, simply a knot that's tied with two loops, you know, like a bow that's wrapped around a present. But it also could be a weapon that's used for shooting arrows. Or it could be an instrument that's used for playing the violin. Or it could mean to bow, like you're bending your head or the upper part of your body as a sign of respect. Or it could mean to bow like a tree is bowed down with age or pressure. Or it could mean the front end of a ship. We also call that the bow. Now the question is, how do you know which one of these we're talking about when the word's used in a sentence? And for for Tim, for you or I, or probably our listeners, you know, it's instinctual because you grew up with the English language, many of you. And so you know immediately based on the context that it's used and you know what it means in the sentence that's being used. But the difficulty is that when we're talking about original ancient languages that are dead languages because nobody actually speaks those languages regularly in any community today, so the ancient Greek and the ancient Hebrew, we are not familiar with those languages enough to tell the difference when a word is used that might mean various things depending on the context. So a good example of that is the one that we just used. So if you flip to the back of Strong's Concordance for the word meek, using that Strong's number 6035, you'll find... A number of things that it could mean. And the first thing it says it could mean to be depressed or it could mean to be humble, lowly, meek, or poor. Now the translators knew when they read this verse because they were students of the language that it meant that he was meek or, or we might say humble. But if you didn't know any better, you might have thought this guy, Moses, was just a real downer. Like he was just really depressed all the time and nobody wanted to be... The most depressed man on the earth. That's <laughs> right. More depressed than anybody else on earth. But but of course, that's not what the word means in context. So you've got to be cautious if you're trying to delve deeper into the meaning of, of words in an original language. You want to go further than just looking up the dictionary definition in somewhere like a concordance because... Sometimes there are a lot more potential meanings than what we found with meek. Sometimes there's five or six or even 10 different ways this things this word could mean, depending on how it's used. How do you know which one it is? And there's a temptation there for you to just guess because, you know, one definition kind of you think it fits better or it's what you want to hear or it's the way that you've read the verse and you think this must be right. And it's prone to error. And that's where we want to use a lexicon and go a step further, because basically what a, a lexicon will do, and you have to get a separate one for Hebrew than you get for Greek, is it will list every single time a Greek or a Hebrew word is used, and it will tell you what it means in context for every single usage. So it's a little more in-depth when it actually comes to word meaning. Mm-hmm. And so this is where you really want to – you don't want to rely on a concordance to tell you the meaning of a word. Even if you think, oh, I." well, the concordance will often tell me the root root word and so I know what the root is. Remember still that you don't speak that language, and even if you're trying to to get down to the root, it doesn't. The root doesn't necessarily always tell you what that word should really mean. Right. You should rely on some good scholarship and get right. yourself a good lexicon. And we'll, I'm sure, talk about lexicons in a different yeah, podcast. that's another subject in itself. Yeah,
1: but and in the positive side of things, I mean, there's a lot of pitfalls, but in a positive thing. It opens up other verses to you. And sometimes it's very curious to think, why would the translator translate it this way in one verse and this way in another verse? For sure. But you can so often, it'll open it up and you can see in the same context, he's talking about the same thing. Right. And you didn't realize that that word was used over here. And it just opens up studies so much more Yeah. when you start connecting those uh, words together, even though the translators might have thrown you off by. We were talking uh, yesterday, I think, in, in Romans. How the King James uses the word "impute" right. and it uses the word "count," oh. and they're both the same Greek word. They
0: have different meanings. Sounds like to impute me. or count. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're different words, of course, in the English, but yeah. in the Greek, they're the same words. Right. And kind of yeah. going through some sections in Romans, it was kind of like, oh, wait a minute, those are the same words, and so it kind of just. It, it helps improve my understanding of of that passage, you know.
0: Yeah, great point. And and I would say the more that you go about this exercise, yeah, the, the 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 more familiar it will become to you, and and the easier you'll find it to start to navigate a concordance and figure out the meanings of words and know when, you know, to bring a lexicon into mix or the mix or just to look at the context and look at other places the word mm-hmm. is used.
1: Cool. So. We've uh, now covered, I think, everything about the concordance work. Yeah, that's all. You now going. know what we know. That's right. <laughs> uh, the tools that we use. So, in future podcasts, when we talk about Strong's number, or we talk about a Greek word or Hebrew word, even if we go like the root word, maybe we go down that road. You'll understand a little bit more. You know where we got this from. So it's not a hidden mystery. These pretty common tools. Uh, Just get used to them, and you'll find out for yourself uh, how powerful they are and how helpful they are as they're going to help unlock for us these uh, essential Bible studies that we're going to be considering. (music) Matt and I wanted to thank you for geeking out with us on Bible study tools like the Concordance I hope you liked it. I I know I did. I had a great time. There's going to be some show notes with this one. So if you want to uh, check out the links to the Strong's Concordance and the Englishman's Concordance, you can go to www.essentialbiblestudies.org for more. Hey, have you befriended us on Facebook yet? You know, all our shows are there. You can play them right from the post, and it's really easy to share with friends and family. Just saying. Do you like to listen to Bible Talks? I mean, I kind of assume you do. I've got a recommendation for another podcast, which I'm sure you will enjoy. It's called Good Christadelphian Talks Podcast. Now, each week, my friends, Chris and Levi, they post a hand-selected Bible class that's really good. I mean, it's all good, but these are really good. And that's why they call it Good Christadelphian Talks. So, if you're interested... You can go to anchor.fm slash GCT. That's GCT for good Christadelphian talks and check it out. Well, that's it for now. Essential Bible Studies is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.